Welcome to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. It is Wednesday, which means it's our long-form teaching. And today, Pastor Chris is taking us to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, the title of his message, Astounding New World. He looks into prophecy and the things that await the believer, and it does give us good reason to hope and eagerly wait for the return of Christ. Here's Pastor Chris, Astounding New World. It's so good for you guys to be here today. It's amazing to see how God works. And I think about being genuine and authentic in our Christian walk and what are some of the things that get us there. Well, today's text is going to be in Revelation 21, and it's, it's a big deal. It's one of the things that is really on my heart a lot. You will have heard me say, if you've attended this church for you know, any length of time, that I can't wait for the party in the New Jerusalem. And today we're going to talk about that. And one of the ways that we stay focused and that we stay motivated through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we're surrendered to Christ is by understanding our identity. Identity is a very big deal in our culture. And even so much so that the way we want to choose to identify ourselves, we want others to be forced to use the proper pronoun for what's ever going on in our head at any given moment. That's how much identity is a real thing. And Satan knows this, and so I want you guys to know it too. Four years ago, five years ago, uh, I had a chance to do a speaking tour with Al Robertson, and we spoke in different churches, and one of his messages, he gave a great analogy, uh, a great start to the conversation about identity. And so I looked it up on our video, to, and uh, I thought, well, let's use that as a minute introduction for the sermon today. So go ahead. We're kind of like these lumps of clay that in the hands of the Almighty can be shaped into something that you wouldn't even recognize 10 or 30 or 40 or sometimes 50 years down the road. We're made in the image of God. Genesis says, God said, let us, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Every one of you made in his image, not for glory for you, but for glory for him. In the creator, the one who made the clay. So when we fall short of that, the reason is we're either trying to take the glory for ourselves or we realize we can't take the glory and so we get so far off the other way instead of being self-glorifying, we're self-debasing. And we say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what we do anyway, so I'm just gonna go and live however I want to. Either way takes away the glory of God because he didn't make us for that. He didn't make us to bring glory to ourselves and he didn't make us to not care about ourselves. And it's in that balance that I have been talking to you since I got here a year and a half ago, a year and a quarter ago, about the pendulum in your life. And when we look at authentic identity, it's a topic that we can grow with. Because we have talked about who are you. We have talked about who we are. We've even talked about what time it is. Because the time is short, and so the urgency is upon every human being in every culture and every walk of life. Why? Because today, if it's your last day to draw breath, Jesus returns for you today. doesn't matter what the end times look like, does it? Because if my day is today, the end times for me is right now. That's why we live with an urgency. 
And that's why we live with peace. And that's why we live with mercy is because of what Jesus has done for us. And so for those of us who know the Lord, the who identity, who have transferred the trust, you know, we, the, the who is we are Christ followers. We have transferred trust. We've become a new creation in Christ. And how we in our hearts, minds, and souls see our identity is a big deal. Look, how do you identify yourself? How do you identify those around you? A lot of times it's by what we've done. You know, you look up IMDb credits and you got printed reviews and it says you're a director, it says you're a writer. Now I look at myself, I can identify as a filmmaker, right? I have a website that says that I'm a pastor of a church. Some of you even call me pastor. That still freaks me out a little bit. But it's true. I can identify as a pastor, and I should. And it affects the things that I try to do. Because if you're going to have that identity, you want to live up to it. Look, you got a business card that identifies you as a salesperson or a general manager or whatever the case might be. That's now your identity. And you live out that identity. You get a diploma or a degree. Now you identify as a whatever graduate, an expert in this, that, or the other thing. Identity is critical to who you really are in your walk of a daily life, whether with Christ or without Christ. It's reality. Identity is not stable either. It can flux. It can be fluid in some situations. In other circumstances, it's not fluid and is etched in eternal stone. We want to play with that now as a society. What's really, bi I believe in the science except for biology. But see, the example of something that's etched in stone versus fluid would be my, ha my heritage, my name. I'm a Norwegian named Danielson. That's never going to change. I can identify as an Italian and change my name, but that's not real, okay? That's who I am. And my career, my occupation I'm not a radio broadcaster anymore. I'm a pastor now. So my identity has changed. I can be a former this or former that. But look, I mean, you look at Miss America from 1970. She ain't Miss America no more. She might be Miss Grandmama. Get what I'm saying? Some things are fluid, some things aren't. But the circumstances of the fluidity of your, of your identity or being etched in stone is a lot of times up to your perspective. You can't change this, but over here you can. And when you're walking with Christ, the doubts come in. I'm not worthy. Or the strength comes in. I'm a follower of Christ, and what I have I hold on to. And that's what today's about. That's what this is. That's what we're doing today. See, the best practice of any identity that can be formed is to solidify it where possible. And in our culture, the term Christian is a little washed out. So instead, I like to go with Christ follower. You are a Christ follower. So as a Christ follower, I want to put in place a real explanation of what my true identity in Christ should look like and sound like. So try this on. My primary identity is being God's child and knowing that I am loved. 
I'll hit you again. My primary identity is being God's child and knowing that I am loved. And all other identities flow from this. And what awaits God's children that he loves? What's there for him? Well, that's the title of today's message. It's an astounding new world. An astounding new world awaits us. Our text is Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Let's stand for the reading of God's word today. Starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty of the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. In Jesus' name, amen. The thought of heaven has sustained the saint of God for centuries. These thoughts can be the fuel of our everyday life. That's how we were built. I've talked to you in the past about that God-shaped void that Blaise Pascal kind of put out in the orbit of scholarly thinking years ago. And just the knowledge that there is a place of endless glory and blessings ahead is enough to give the child of God joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let me give you an earthly example. By faith, you work all week and you know that the plans that you have for the weekend require a paycheck on Friday. And by faith, you expect your employer to pay you because that's the agreement. And Friday comes and you get your paycheck and you cash it and you pay your bills and with the leftover that you have, first of all, you first fruit give to the Lord. <laughs> of your first of your increase, you pay your bills and that money that's left over, and here's the point, the money that's left over, you go for your weekend and there's more than enough and aren't you even more satisfied in the work of your hands that you did all week? See, it's like that with us. What is the paycheck coming for all of what we're doing for the Lord? Because when you realize what it is, it's easier on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday to do the things that you're doing. Even if you don't necessarily like some of the tasks. Serving Jesus is awesome when you have this perspective. When you see what's coming. See, in these verses, John gives us a small glimpse of that eternal state. But what he does give just makes me want it more, doesn't it? 
It, it makes me thirsty for more. It makes me motivated to get there and to put away all distractions. Nothing else really matters or satisfied, satisfies because this is what is next. And Paul says, throw off all hindrances. Why? Because if you get this, you get everything. You get everything. Look at the astounding new world that John describes in these verses. Let's start with point number one, a new creation. It's a new creation. In verse one, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. It's some new things happening. New, meaning recently made, fresh, unused, not worn. It can also mean a new kind, unprecedented, uncommon, unheard of. We are used to a spoiled creation. We are used to a corrupt creation. And I got to be honest, the other night here in Kansas was just one of the most beautiful nights. I don't know why, but it was just calm and it was crisp, but it wasn't cold and it wasn't hot and the wind wasn't blowing and the bugs were gone. And we sat out by a campfire and watched the sun go down and it was gorgeous but it's a corrupt creation. See, we only know that creation that has been corrupted. Think about that. It makes 1 Corinthians 2.9 all the more important to really grasp for our journey here. Let's look at it together. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. I think you understand I probably have a pretty good imagination. And I can't conceive it. Some of you that I've met are brilliant folks. Some of you are just, you know, I'm around you, I'm like, yeah, they're smarter than me. <laughs> we know it. And you can't conceive of it. So if the best that we have in this room can't conceive of it, think about that. It's beyond what we can possibly think of. These are new things. These are things that we have never experienced before. Also, there's some no more things. Some stuff goes away. That's pretty good news too. Look at 2 Peter 3.10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and on that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. You have a really nice house, you got really nice cars, you got really nice toys, you got a nice bank account, you got a lot of nice things, good clothes, everything's going great for you. Guess what? There's a phrase Emily and I used to use to try to have peace in the midst of the storm when bad stuff would happen, and that's this. You ready? Jesus is going to come and burn it all up anyway. He's coming to burn it all up anyway. The obstacle of the sea is gone in this new world. Oceans are probably a product of the flood. Uh, it speaks there be no more boundaries, basically. Seas were an obstacle in John's day. There are no more boundaries. And then the big one, the big one comes in verse 2. And it's point number two in your notes today. The new city. The new city. Verse 2 it says, I also saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, it's going to be a pure city. It, it, it's going to be holy. And that's another contrast of the old and new that we get in this text. It's a presented city from God. Think on 1 uh, Corinthians 2.9 that we just read. And then let's add Ephesians 3.20. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, And now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. This is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. And there's going to be a party in that new Jerusalem. I'm going to be there. And many of you are going to be there too. And guess what? Many of the people that we don't like, who don't like us, they've surrendered their lives to Christ. They're going to be there too. So if we're going to party with them in the new Jerusalem, how about we just forgive them here on earth and move on? What do you think? See how it all makes sense? See how it all flows together? And what happens out of that world when you're focused on that new Jerusalem and you think about Christians that are going to be there that you don't care for and you know they don't care for you? Forgiveness happens. And what happens then? Peace. It's well with you. You're cool. It's good. And you move on. See, it doesn't matter because this is coming. It doesn't matter. Jesus is going to burn it all up anyway. There's this new city. It's a prepared city. It's a prepared city. Man, there's sometimes that I have come home, uh, especially when my kids were, were growing up, and, and my kids would work with Emily, and they'd prepare this big meal, and I had no idea, and I'd walk in, and it'd all be prepared there. It would just be this great night. I'd busted my butt all day long and dragged myself in, expecting to break up fights and, and piles of dishes, and no, everything was prepared. That is just such a joyous thing. John 14, 1 and 3 says, A bride preparing to give herself totally to her husband. John 14, 1 says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. These are red letters. Jesus is talking. Verse 2 of John 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. John 14, 3, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where you are, I may be also. And that's the biggest line in the text. They just wanted to be where he was. Think about this now. These guys are fishermen, they're laborers, they're tax collectors, sinners, and Jesus called them to himself as the rabbi of the day and they followed him and they watched him do miracles. They watched him love. They watched him heal lepers. They watched him... Uh, you know, lift the, the blindness from people. And they, they watched him raise people from the dead. They watched him do all this stuff. And then when he was going to go away from them in a few more chapters in the book of John, they get incredibly sad. That's why their joy was made complete at the resurrection. They just wanted to be where he was because he's God. And that's why many times you'll hear me say, Jesus is our portion. When we get Jesus, we also get this new city. We also get this new creation. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Why? Because right now it's being prepared. And today it could be ready for you and for me. There's nothing else that has to happen before God might call all of his saints out in what some people call the rapture. And there's nothing that has to happen in this fragile life uh, that, that, that could take you out of this earth before we have the sun go down today. So every minute you live with joy because of this. And point number three, it's that new communion. It's that new communion. I want the people of Lifehouse Church, when we take communion on the first Sunday of the month, when we, when we partake in the body and the blood, to see the new Jerusalem in their heart, to see what Jesus has prepared for them, and to see that he's offering us all of this stuff right now where we can live in peace and enjoy and let everything else wash away waiting for that moment 
Just like the guy who's struggling with a job that's really hard on him on Tuesday and Wednesday because he knows that paycheck on Friday is taking care of business. It's taking care of everything. And for a man who wants to provide, there's something that happens inside your soul where you do the work of a good servant, a good employee because of that reward. And Jesus is saying, here's the same thing. Here's the same thing. That new communion, that new communion. Look at verse three. It says, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And then there's two things out of that I want you to know. I want you to see it. A is blessed by the presence of God. You're blessed by the presence of God. God will be present with his people. This makes me homesick. This makes me lose interest in this world. I hope it does you too. Because then every day is better. And I don't know, that sounds contradictory, but it's not. Look at verse 4. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. And that's point B in your notes. You're blessed then by the absence of grief. You're blessed by the absence of grief. No sadness. Wipe in this text means obliterate, erase, blot out, wipe out, it's gone. No separation, no more untimely separations by death. No sorrow, no more broken hearts, no more suffering, no hurts, no more labors, no more longings. It's amazing. And when I looked at this and I thought about it, I thought, well, Point number four, it's a new everything. It's an absolutely new everything. In verse five, in the first part of verse six, it says, then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. It's a splendid place. I make, it is done. Do you hear those words from our, our Father? And yet so-and-so said something about me, and I'm just not going to like them anymore. You see how lame that is in the view of this? Verses 6b and 7 says, I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Is that not a satisfying verse? Does that not satisfy the Christ follower, the authentic Christ follower? Do you know how blessed I am today to have the guy who's going to lead worship say, look, if I can't do it authentically, I don't want to do it. That comes from a satisfied place in the Lord. Maybe a sumsa of stubbornness, but we'll leave that go. (laughs) 
It's, it comes from a satisfying place. It's a satisfying resource. Every need I have is supplied. Every desire I have is fulfilled until I step out of that. And when I step out of that, I do that sometimes on an hourly basis. Sometimes I'm satisfied in Christ and the phone rings or a text message happens and all of a sudden I'm not. Or I watch my hockey team lose. Or fill in the blank for you. And it can be anything. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, you're cooking and you yourself burn the food. And you get so frustrated, you step out of that satisfied place. And yet when you're in that satisfied place, people can steal your car, they can burn your house down, and you don't even care because you have this. Look at the book of Acts. They were taking their stuff, they were burning their houses, and they walked away joyful because they had been in the presence of the risen Christ and they knew he was preparing a place like this for them. Call them mad? No, I call them satisfied in the Lord. See, they're satisfying rewards. Joint heirs with Jesus. All right, I've got, I don't, we're not going to look at the actual verses, but it's written down for you. Romans 8, 17, John 3, 16, and Luke eleven thirteen. 13. It's joint heirs with Jesus. He gave us his son in John 3, 16. He gave us his spirit in Luke eleven thirteen, And now in a very literal way, he gives us himself. When you understand this, you understand that heaven is not a place where we get to go and do everything that we want to do. We're going to be so enamored that God is with us, the God of the universe, our creator God, who's given us everything. Our joy will be unspeakable. Every tear is wiped. We will run and not grow weary. You're not going to go there and want to... uh, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to race Dale Earnhardt. No, you're not. (laughs) If, If Dale is there, you're going to be high-fiving and praising Jesus. That's what you do. It takes everything away. Well, what about food? Is there going to be food there? Yes, there's going to be food. We're going to feast at the Lamb Supper. You know? Is, is my grandma's fried chicken going to be there? Probably. There's all these different things that we want to conjure up about heaven through our own fallen understanding of a corrupted thing. This is all new. And it's better than anything and everything that we've ever seen, tasted, or can even imagine. Because he gives himself to us in a very literal way. And it's the safest place to be. And it means everything. Look at verse 8 as we close today. But the cowards, faithless, detestable murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. All of those outside are banished from heaven, from this place. It's the type of people that have ruined our world. It's the type of people many of us used to be. But we're a new creation. We've been taken that heart of stone. We've been given a heart of flesh. We're new people. And we have a new perspective. We have a new hope. We have a new identity. The people will not be allowed in from verse 8. And it's permanent. And that's the sadness of the unbeliever. And when you think on that, in the Spirit, your worst enemy, you hope, repents and doesn't go through that. 
This is why we don't care what people say or think. We're going to feed the lambs that come through the door. 10,000 of you come through the door. This is what we're about. It's about this. 10 people come through the door. It's about this. Why do we put the furnace room together on Sunday mornings at 9.30 to pray for our service, to pray for our people, to pray that God would send us lambs to feed? Because we want them to have this. Why do we have prayer walks where we want to go out and try to see? Because we know that the times are darkening. We're trying to push back the darkness. Why? Because we want everybody to know this. Don't you see how lame it is to say, I'm living my life and I'm going to add Jesus to it so that I can be a better fill in the blank. That's just stupid. And we got churches all over America talking about 10 steps to a better you and Jesus. No. You're awful. I'm awful. But Jesus came and gave us this new life. And when we stay in that new life, when we don't jump over here every time something goes wrong, we stay here in that satisfied place. Everything is easier. In fact, Jesus goes so far as to say, your burden will be light and your yoke will be easy. It talks about these momentary afflictions. Momentary afflictions. My, my sister died of cancer. I lost my job. They're foreclosing on my house. My spouse left me. Momentary afflictions. In this world, it's momentary. And it's light. The video you saw of Al Robertson, he has another analogy that he says in that message. And he says this. He says, if you could in an earthly, fleshly mindset, be given $1 billion, B, with a B, for 365 days, confinement, solitary confinement in a prison of someone's choice. Someone says, I'll give you a billion dollars, but you go into solitary confinement for 365 days in the prison of my choice. Would you do it? At the end of one year, you can do a lot with a billion dollars. If that was offered to a young person in your family, everybody in the family would be like, come on, you can do it. <laughs> Go get it. And in a flesh mindset, spinning that to a spiritual reality, that even pales in comparison to what hardships we may suffer. When Jesus says suffer as a good servant, he's talking about getting your mind on this. This is what it is. And this is why when people play games and when people want to downplay this and when we get all caught up and I didn't get recognized for bringing the colored toothpicks to the church picnic, so I'm going to go to this other church, it's stupid. And I have a hard time dealing with the stupidity. And you want to know the hardest part of it is when I get stupid. I get stupid for an hour and I go home and I'm like, I'm stupid. And I repent. And when I ask Jesus for forgiveness, where do I go in my heart and my mind? I go back to the new Jerusalem, the promise of it all. Jesus is going to burn it all up anyway. So let's rock for Jesus today. Let's do what we can for him today. And we don't do it in our own strength. Instead, we do it in a surrendered way. 
because we know that it's coming. We know that we've got all this newness, a new everything is happening. And as Forrest Gump would say, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Be blessed. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are so excited for what you've got prepared for us. And in spite of our much, much pathetic, sinful nature, and just the things that are in our life, you've saved us while we were sinners. You've redeemed us. You've given us that new heart. You've set us on this this trajectory to live for you as servants, and even then we don't know how to do it, and we can't do it in our own strength. Open our minds and our eyes to what you have prepared for us to strengthen us for such a time as this, to give us the right and proper motivation, to come together as a family, to be strong now as we head towards the holidays. Lord Jesus, we just love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.